Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. You know, we call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology, but then decide how you'll implement that into your family's lives. Our ultimate goal here is to keep you informed and equip you to parent your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. In the news today, we're going to be talking about perfect selfies are killing us, as well as Snap Inc.'s plan to turn Snapchat into a gaming platform. Our character focus is on humility. Our app's five facts will be going over the app Facetune. And our family focus will be talking about a standard for selfies. If you have a daughter of any age, this is a show for you. All right, in today's news, we have Perfect Selfies Are Killing Us. A recent article published by the USA Today discusses a 2018 study of news reports that shows that between October 2011 and November of 2017, there were 259 selfie deaths reported globally. Now, the highest occurrences of these were found in India, Russia, United States, and Pakistan. What's interesting is that they also report that every month of 2019 so far, someone has been critically injured or died while attempting to take a selfie. In April, a 20-year-old university student fell 100 feet to her death while hiking on a class trip. In March, an international tourist in his 50s fell hundreds of feet into a canyon while attempting to snap a photo. And the stories go on and on. And all of these now have contributed or sort of birthed this new word in our language called the kilfi. Now, a kilfi is a selfie that you take in a risky or astonishing position at a dangerous location. Sadly, this trend has actually led to selfie deaths. So it may be a fun play on words, but this is an important topic that we should discuss with our children. Because selfies have become so universal, we see them all the time and everywhere, whether they see them on social media or whether they see them on the internet or friends, these selfies look amazing and it can create a desire in them to also have that same sort of amazing selfie taken in an amazing place. But really important to discuss, number one, the source of why they want to take these selfies and two, talk about the risks. The article does go on to talk about why we do take selfies in the first place. A couple of the reasons that they give is first, attention-seeking. Another one is mood modification for self-confidence, for social competition, subject conformity, right? Which that is referring to sort of an individual's tendency to copy what others do, which we see a lot, not only in the teen years, but especially on social media, as well as another reason why you would do this is environmental enhancement. And this is taking a selfie in order to create memories for yourself. Now, this is the one reason why we at Brave Parenting say a selfie could be okay if you are standing in front of, say, the Statue of Liberty or something really cool that you want to remember, you know, to take your picture in front of that. But this idea of taking a picture of yourself for the sole purpose of um, self-promotion, right, that's not healthy. Taking a picture for social competition or for attention-seeking, gaining these likes and follows on social media, this is what is dangerous, especially when it's done in these dangerous positions, dangerous locations. So be sure you're discussing, maybe just pull up this article, discuss this with your child. Um, Have they heard of all of these deaths? Have they ever um, felt the desire to take a picture in a dangerous 
position or location in order to capture that selfie. Make this a part of your discussion with your teens about selfies. Also in the news is Snap Inc.'s plan to turn Snapchat into a gaming platform. Now, we haven't talked about this yet in the news section, um, and this Snapchat gaming um, has really been sort of coming out and gaining more popularity um, over the course of 2019. Um, I know one of my high school-aged um, children in public school have already reported they've been seeing other students playing these Snapchat games. Well, in this interview with The Verge, the director of this project, of the gaming project inside of Snapchat, was interviewed, and this is what he said, and it really, I found astonishing that this is the, the mindset of Snapchat. He says, quote, The goal, that is, of offering these games isn't to offer a huge selection of games. It's to create experiences that will serve different communities within Snapchat. Now, maybe it's just me, but I know it's not. This idea of serving communities. I don't believe Snapchat really is serving anyone. They are providing a service, yes. There's really no denying how I feel about Snapchat. Brave Parenting does not recommend Snapchat at all. You can listen to episode 10 where we review Snapchat and talk a lot about it. But overall, there really isn't a whole lot of benefit to the app as a whole. So adding games to it and talking about how it's serving communities is such a, um, a sly, not divisive way to convince us that this is an actual service that we need as a society, right? I mean, serving a community to me and, you know, in the real world is about physical action. It's about sacrificing your time um, and your resources, you know, for the betterment of others. It also involves, you know, connection, personal connection, face-to-face relationship and love, right? Serving a community is not about capitalizing on people's attention for the sake of making money, because that's really the only people who are benefiting from having a game inside of a, a photo and video sharing app that has a lot of social media features, right? There's no other benefit to the consumer other than um, more time inside that app, less time um, in real relationships. Um, it's, you know, it, they're calling it service. They're calling it serving a community. And I just think that is really a, um, a way that we are being deceived. So, you know, if your child has Snapchat, you can, you know, talk about these games that are coming in there. They say their goal isn't to create a whole bunch. And right now I don't think that it's doing Snap Inc. a whole lot of um, good. I think they're still doing um, probably more, becoming more popular because of all the different filters they're releasing. Um, I don't think that these games are going to cause more people to want to get inside the app and actually play, but only time will tell to see if their plan to gain more users actually works with adding games. All right, in our character focus today, we're going to be talking about humility. Now, what exactly is humility? We all, I think we we think that we know what it is, um, but a lot of times we get confused, and especially our children, they're growing up in a very selfish world. They may actually not know what the true definition of humility is. In the simplest sense, in the way that you can describe it to your children, it is not thinking um, less of yourself but thinking of yourself less, right? So thinking less of myself, it's not me saying I'm worthless, I can't do anything, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm, I'm this, I'm no good at any sport or school, right? It's more thinking of yourself less, like, 
oh, I have all of these things to do today. I could go shopping and buy myself new clothes. I could go get a manicure. I could do all this. Or I could, you know, clean the house for my family. I could prepare a meal. Um, I could go donate some clothes at a shelter. I could go serve. I could go do this favor for someone, right? There's lots of other things to think of others other than just simply thinking of what serves and what benefits yourself. So many virtues um, flow from this quality of humility, right? Respectfulness, kindness, generosity, compassion, and patience. These are all great virtues that we want. And a lot of it flow from having a humble heart. So how do we um, develop this character trait? Well, the first thing that we have to consider is that the world in itself is just very arrogant. The culture that we're growing up in, it is self-seeking. It is um, a selfie-centered culture. This is kind of where we're at. I mean, and it's been a slow progression, but since the introduction of the front-facing camera, it has definitely um, become exponentially worse. I love this quote, and I'll say it first, and then I'll say where it's from. What we suffer from today is humility in the wrong place. Man was meant to be doubtful about himself, but undoubting in the truth. This is now exactly reversed. Now, this quote was from G.K. Chesterton, who lived in the late 1800s, 1900s, um, and was an English writer and poet. They call him the Prince of Paradox. He always would say, this is what it should be, but this is kind of what it is. And I love this. This was back in the late 1800s, early 1900s that he actually said this, um, which we could absolutely say that this applies today. What we see online through news, if it's true, right? We don't even know what it, what's truth anymore, but people are very overconfident in their own opinions. They think of themselves very highly. They have a very high self-esteem and a lot of media is pushing that there is um, you know, no absolute truth that you can define the truth. And that's just, that's great. You, you do you, right? That's kind of the, the way that it is online and you believe what you want to believe. And, and if it's truth to you, then it's truth. And how that relates to humility is, well, we only have one measure. You know, if, if I can define truth and you can define truth, then the only thing we have to measure is our own ideas. And so then we become more, um, our arrogance becomes inflated and we think so highly of ourselves. And we're not considering other opinions because if my truth is the only truth and your truth is just your truth, well, then we're not humbling ourselves to actually hear other people's opinions or to consider others more than we consider ourselves. It is is perpetuating this idea of arrogance and not humility. Also, we have these social media platforms, right? So we kind of have this, the way the media is portraying truth, but ultimately you have the very nature of social media platforms hindering our ability to treat, to um, teach um, this character trait of humility. We may be teaching humility as our children grow up, but then once social media kind of gets in the mix, you know, the whole way that it works, it sort of drowns us, drowns us in self-love, right? They promote um, user interaction to think about themselves. Hey, write what you're doing, share what you're doing right now, live in the moment. You know, that's kind of how Snapchat is. They, they encourage you to share your story, right? It lasts 24 hours, share exactly what you're doing right now. And then on top of it, they encourage, right? The, the comments, the likes, um, the follows, the opinions, they encourage all of that to occur right there in the app. Consider 
if you will, this idea of a selfie. And if you post a selfie, what would happen if there was no likes or no comments able? Like no one's going to comment, hey, you look so cute, so pretty, or you're ugly or whatever, because there's nothing, right? So there really wouldn't be a benefit to promote yourself if there was no um, way or mechanism for someone else to share their own opinions, either validate you or to, to tell you you're wrong. So we are provided these tools that are hindering humility, while at the same time, seeing media happen all around us saying that um, we believe our own truth and we get to, you know, be arrogant and have this inflated self-esteem and that's all well and good and you can share your opinion to anyone, anywhere, online, whatever the, the platform is. So when it comes to humility, here are a few ways that we can teach it. Number one, we can model it. And number one way of modeling it is to serve. Maybe you're serving your children. You're doing so without complaining, without arguing, right? Um, You are serving your community. You're thinking of others more than you're thinking of yourself. Also, right, this could also be how you interact with social media. Um, Build your children up and encourage them. Help them understand where their real value comes from. Does, Does it come from the likes and the follows and the comments on social media? Does it come from having a popular YouTube channel or um, having a lot of kills inside of a video game? Is that where their worth really is? Or is it found in the reality, right? Not the media and the internet world, but like the real life world in your family, in your faith, wherever it is, right? You find it. Make sure that they are grounded in where their real value comes from. Also, expose your children to great teachers and their stories whether that be the Bible or, you know, different stories of great leaders over time. Talk about them. You know, presidents are great ways. There's so many um, presidents in the United States who talk about the importance of humility, great leaders of our country and other countries who stress this importance of humility. Teach them to serve. Coach them how to respond to compliments as well as criticism. You know, when they know how to actually respond, they, they can take that compliment in or take that criticism in and remain humble and have a learning heart. Teach them to apologize and teach them how to give thanks and to have a grateful heart. These are some of the things that experts say. But ultimately, I do want to leave on this question, and we're going to talk about this more in the family focus, is you know how can we really promote humility if we are allowing or encouraging this selfie taking, this, this habit, this um, obsession with taking pictures of ourselves and then posting them on social media. Is there anything more um, self-centered and self-focused than putting that camera, you know, facing yourself and taking a hundred to 200 pictures, right? There really isn't a whole lot more. And this is what our daughters are doing and that's a big question. We're going to talk about that a little bit more um, later on in the family focus, talking about the standard for selfies. All right. In our apps, five facts, we're going to talk about the app Facetune. Now, the first thing that you need to know about Facetune, it is what they deem the original selfie editor. Facetune, as they say, brings pro-level photo editing capabilities right to your iPhone. And the original Facetune is only available on Apple. It is not free. It costs $5.49. There is no free version. 
interestingly, when it first came out, it was 99 cents and it was wildly popular. So of course they raised the price now, $5.49. You can upload your photo. You can tweak all the things you want to tweak and edit. And then you can basically save it um, to your camera roll. That's the gist of it. The second thing that you need to know about Facetune is the available edits. I'm going to do a quick run through of the edits that you can do to your photo. Let's just say your selfie. So I'm taking a picture of myself and these are all the magnificent, miraculous things that I can do. Smooth and rejuvenate your skin. Remove temporary imperfections like pimples or blemishes. Brighten the dark circle under your eyes. You can refine jawlines. Heighten cheekbones and brows. Reshape your nose. Enlarge or shrink a specific area of the image. Totally transform your face into an alien if you really want it to, right? Those are like plastic surgery things that you're able to do to your picture. Going on, you can emphasize your eyes by changing the eye color, removing red eye or white eye effects. You can refine your smile by whitening and brightening your teeth. You can also add some makeup. Apply eyeshadow of blush or blush. Um, You can add volume to your lashes and reshape your brows. Add color to your lips. Add intensity or increase the size of your lips. Um, You can also enhance your photo, right? You can um, focus on, on you and then blur out the background. You can improve the lighting. You can create custom filters. Add unique textures. Customize frames. Um, And let's not forget, you can also fix your hair. You can color over gray hair, fix bald spots, or remove stray hairs. Hallelujah. I don't even have to be me with this app. I can actually change every single thing about who I really am in this picture and make myself look like a model, right? How awesome. And I'm joking, of course. But now the third thing you need to know flows right into this. This is the controversy. You know, one reviewer of this app said, You know, the creepiest thing about all of this is that it actually works. It actually makes people look really fantastic. It is the same thing that someone might do in Adobe Photoshop, except for you're doing it on, you know, an app on your phone. So it definitely is high-end features put into this one app. The interesting aspect and why it's controversial is we're doing it to ourselves. Typically, we are editing photos of ourselves. If You went to a photo shoot and say you're having, you know, pictures taken of you and your family and that photographer then takes those photos and touches them up in Photoshop and and maybe, yeah, lightens the picture a little bit, maybe corrects a couple blemishes on your teenage children's face, fixes a couple stray hairs and then presents that picture back to you. Awesome. You probably will never see the original. You look at it and think this photographer is amazing. They captured us our family, and we look great. This is, you know, just a beautiful memory, a beautiful picture. You don't see the before and after. You just see the after. And obviously, you know, you don't look all like models. You look like yourselves. You just took out some of the imperfections. But with this app, typically what everyone is doing is they're editing their selfies, right? It's called the original selfie editor. And so they're seeing the original picture of themselves, and then they're editing themselves. Well, I mean, how easy is it to start doubting, you know, your appearance when you can see that this app is making you look so much better, right? Clearly, you know, I was created incorrectly and I should look this way, this gorgeous way. Um, You know, it's even possible to go too far and all of a sudden you really look like someone you're not, you're not even, right? Which then brings up a whole other question and controversy is, 
you know, adolescents and teens, they scroll through their social media feed and they see these selfies of these people and they look at them and, and even though the brain is telling them, oh, they edited that picture, the subconscious is still saying, that person's beautiful. You know, that's a really attractive person. And the two aren't necessarily meshing together, right? It's it's hard to remind yourself this is an edited picture when the subconscious is just saying they're beautiful. And then you start judging yourself against that beautifully, quote, edited picture, right? So how does that affect their self-esteem, right? This is the big question. A lot of times these are being used by young girls whose, you know, worth and value is still, you know, Uh, you know, just being developed in such a tumultuous time um, of growth through puberty. And here they can manipulate themselves, these pictures, and and feel like, oh, I'm beautiful here. And I go to, um, you know, Instagram or Snapchat and everybody tells me that, oh, I'm beautiful when I post these edited selfies. But then in real life, it's different. No one tells me that I'm beautiful in real life. And, um, no one is complimenting me and whatnot. If nothing, they look at me funny. And the question is, really, I mean, are they looking at you funny? Because they're looking at you like, I saw that picture of you on Instagram and you don't look anything like that in real life as you do on Instagram, right? Which creates a really weird dichotomy in their relationships. When asked about this controversy, um, the co-founder of Facetune says this, quote, we did not create Facetune for body manipulations, but I'm not sure it's our place to decide how people use the app. Social media is not a reality show. It's a director's cut of your life. Some people are more successful in creating that director's cut than others. Wow. So he says it wasn't made for body manipulations, even though we've given you the tools to do that. But it's not their place to decide how you use it. And this is this um, indifference that these app makers have. They're really just out for money. Like, hey, we've got the skill and the brains um, and, you know, the talent to make this app. If we're going to do it, we're going to make lots of money, which they have. But how it affects society and how it affects the emotional um, and social and relational health of, of young girls, especially, but young children, we don't care about. You know, we're just indifferent. That's not our problem. How how you use it, that's up to you. So guess what, mom and dad? It is up to you, right? Because other people are not going to care what this app does to the self-worth and um, self-esteem of your child. It is really up to you. So that's the controversy aspect of that. Now, fact number four that you need to know about Facetune is that there's also Facetune 2. Now, Facetune 2 is available on both Apple and Android. And this is... um. It is free to download, although you don't get all of the features that you get um, as if you pay for an annual um, or monthly subscription. And that's called like the VIP um, editing tools, essentially. So if you're a VIP, you pay either monthly or annually for the subscription, then you get access to all sorts of um, extra editing tools. Um, Really, the debate as to which one's better, you know, you can go either way. And frankly, it doesn't really matter because they are doing the same thing. They're manipulating pictures of selfies. All right. The fifth fact that you need to know about Facetune is the rating system. Now, the App Store gives it a rating of 4+, plus, and the Google Play rates it as E for everyone. Now, the Facetune app itself rates it as 13+, plus because they want to be able to collect data, and they cannot legally do so in children under 13. So their terms of service does state that it is not intended for minors under the age of 13. 
Now, the Brave Parenting Rating, we give it a 16+. Plus. And this is because commonly this Facetune app is used to edit photos of selfies or group photos that are then going to be posted to social media and then obviously receive likes and, and followers and all of that because of that perfected photo. Because our rating for social media is 16+, plus, we also state that Facetune should be 16+. Plus. Now, this doesn't mean that someone under 16 couldn't possibly use this app. However, it is important for parents to sort of um, look at that child and decide whether or not that app and, and editing pictures of themselves could be used um, for harm or for actual creative purposes. Now, even if your child is 16 plus and they have social media, you may want to still consider restricting this app if they are suffering um, from body dysmorphia or really struggle in their self-worth and self-confidence. This type of self-editing app can continue to contribute to those already present issues. All right, that leads us right to our family focus, which is the standard for selfies. Um, I don't think there's probably any question that we have a big concern here at Brave Parenting for the practice of taking selfies. Now, research has been done as to why people are motivated to take selfies in the first place. So here's what you need to know about that. They say that the behavior itself is rooted in a form of narcissism that is directly connected with the human ego. I don't think you needed an expert to really tell you that, of course. Anytime we focus on ourselves, it is a lot about our, our ego, about our self-esteem, right? looking for validation and for worth, which is a, you know, an aspect of narcissism. So researchers did, though, break down the, the motivations for people taking selfies into categories. So let's talk about those real quick. The first is attention-seeking. That's easy, right? That's what most of our teenagers are doing as they post selfies online. They're taking and posting selfies to feel more popular, right? To get the likes, to get the comments, to get people saying that they're, you're gorgeous, whatever. Now, the another reason is mood modification. So this has been um, basically described as a way um, to make someone feel better. It's part of what defines addiction. You know, you're putting something out there as um, a positive thing that you're trying to, to enhance your mood, to break you out of maybe um, depressive um, or isolated thoughts. There's also self-confidence. The taking of selfies may increase the self-confidence of, of those who engage in the behavior, right? You take pictures, people say that you're pretty, it makes you more confident. It's pretty much the attention seek. There's also social competition. Again, right where we find our kids. Posting selfies to get the likes on social media or to increase your social status. Right? This is especially where the, the editing, right, the Facetune app can comes in because it's a competition. Who can be the prettiest? It's not just, hey, here's me standing with an award that I just received or, you know, I just won a, a game and I took a picture or I'm, I'm, I'm on vacation and I'm taking um, a picture of myself in front of the Statue of Liberty of something cool, right? No, it is literally a picture of themselves looking the best that they can possibly make themselves look edit it, filtered, and then putting themselves out there saying, okay, now everybody tell me I am prettier or more attractive than all of the other peers that you are watching on Instagram or Snapchat. Another reason that people do it is subjective conformity, right? Referring to um, someone's tendency to copy what other people do. So this big trend of selfie taking was a big time increased through Kim Kardashian. She kind of became like 
the selfie pioneer. She wrote a, a book several years ago, you know, called S- Selfie. She is what deemed this whole selfie centered. Um, I mean, her, I'm gonna, you can publish a book that has nothing but all of your selfies that you've taken and posted online. And that book goes to the New York Times bestselling list. This is crazy, right? As a, as a society, as a culture, we definitely have a problem if, if a book without any actual literary value, and that's just pictures taken by the one person of themselves and then published, is going to the, the bestselling list, right? And so this is sort of this subjective conformity. All of our young girls love to sort of worship Kim Kardashian. So if she's doing it and she's wildly popular and she can publish a book, well, then I'm going to do the same. The other thing is environmental enhancement taking selfies to create memories or trophies of oneself. I think this is kind of where we're taking a picture of ourselves in front of um, memorable things, whether we're on vacation, as I just kind of give the example of the Statue of Liberty or somewhere really cool. And you want to remember that moment, right? It's not you sitting in the bathroom, taking a picture of yourself, you know, into the bathroom mirror while you're making a duck face. That's a little bit different. What is another huge concern, right? This is the motivations that we just described, but the huge concern is that because of the editing software that's available for the smartphone, as well as the great cameras that are front-facing that, pe- that especially youth can take of themselves, now what we've seen is that these beauty standards um, have just skyrocketed. Like now everyone is sort of just expected to look this good all the time, the makeup industry, like everything has just exploded. Whereas this person could only look this good because they've been edited. Now everybody's trying to look that good all the time or edit themselves all the time. And this standard, like these filters that have just become so normal to use on Snapchat to make yourself look better has actually been driving, especially our young women to seek cosmetic procedures to make them look like they're digitally edit selfies. So there's been a rise that plastic surgeons have seen of people who want to get, um, whether it be their lips injected or um, a nose job or, you know, the Botox, all of these type of aspects because they want to, or all in all reconstructive surgery to look like this. They've actually termed this Snapchat dysmorphia, which is crazy because this is where a lot of the filters are, or at least where they're originating. And now you can obviously use apps like Facetune to do the same thing. So before, you know, we would see these picture perfect people like in magazines and we would, you know, see them and they would look gorgeous um, or even on the television screen. And that was it. You know, yeah, that person's gorgeous. They're a model. That's their job. But now it's everybody. It's the global community who has access to all of these um, smartphone apps. It's all of their peers. And not only that, it's with them in their back pocket all of the time. No longer is it just when you um, maybe see a television commercial or just when you get a magazine or you go and read a magazine in a coffee shop or whatever that is. Now it is literally with them all the time, everywhere they go in their back pocket, they can see this new standard for beauty and then judge themselves as not uh, matching up. So I have um, written an entire chapter on humility as a character trait. Um, focusing on this whole idea of selfies. The standard that I believe that needs to be set for young girls is no selfies, period. Um, it's just simply, there's no way to build this character trait of humility while they're taking pictures of themselves for the sake of self-promotion. 
So in my book, Managing Media, Creating Character, you know, here's a couple things that I, that I say in there. I concede that when you implement the standard of no selfies, your child will try to convince you that they are dying a slow and painful death of social humiliation. It's true because they aren't posting all of the pictures of themselves that all of their peers are. Communication is going to absolutely be essential. You can't possibly set a standard for no selfies and not be talking about humility on a regular basis and why you're not allowing, you know, why, hey, this is what our family does. We don't take selfies. We don't post selfies. It's setting the standard for that. And then, of course, you're modeling it yourself as well. Again, don't assume that they know what humility is. They've grown up surrounded by selfishness. Humility isn't a trait that they're bound to know, much less express. So explain to them what selfies Uh, or excuse me, what humility is and why selfies can really downgrade that character trait. There's a whole, like I said, there's a whole chapter on setting the standard and the importance of it. Ultimately, along with the standard, you know, it's good faith. You can't, you can turn off the camera on your child's phone, but you, you can't stop them, right, from taking a picture of themselves. Um, You can stop them from having social media, which would then block them from posting it into a public platform. But, you know, how we have done it with our children, at least here in in our house, we do have a standard for no selfies. Periodically, we check the camera roll on their phone and we see, are they taking selfies? Especially, you know, in the younger, younger ages when they're first getting the phone, we're really setting the standard. Are they taking selfies? And if so, we talk about it. And then we turn the camera off. You know, a selfie on your camera roll, which is really a picture taken of yourself for the sake of self-promotion. And, and typically, you know, I'm not just going to find one selfie on one of my daughter's camera rolls. Chances are I'm going to find 30, 50 pictures that were all taken at the same time in one batch trying to find that one perfect picture where they look great. Why, right? If I haven't allowed social media, why are they taking it? That's the question. And a lot of times it's just because they want to be able to show themselves that they can look as good as other people that they're seeing, whether it be posted on social media, they're seeing on other friends' phones. And ultimately, right, you, you, they're, it's not like they're not seeing selfies being taken. It's just everywhere in our culture. But we've set a standard for it. And because of that standard, as our um, daughters have grown up, um, have we stopped it completely? No. Um, but are they posting selfies, looking for that validation and for that worth, you know, after they earn the privilege of having social media? No, they're really not. Because They had that extended time during young adolescence as they found their worth and they found their value. And what they saw was other friends posting, you know, highly edited photos of themselves, getting tons of compliments, but then they'd see them in real life and be like, you don't look anything like that. And that um, disconnection really turned them off to this idea of, I don't want to portray myself as someone who, who looks like someone else online, but in real life, that's not me. And that essentially is what we really, that's the goal, right? We want them to have humble hearts, think of themselves less often, not think less of themselves, which is what the world, especially on social media, will often tell them is that they're not worthy, they're not pretty enough, they're not good enough. So I encourage you, mom and dad, to set a standard for selfies. It's never too early and it's never too late to kind of hit the restart button and, and just start all over with a new standard for how you and your family are going to handle selfies.
All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you miss anything in the show or you want to learn more, you can find us online at braveparenting.net. Or if you have any questions about what we discussed today, you can email your questions to podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look at how you can build strong character using technology children love, right, such as building humility through a standard of no selfies, you can pick up a copy of the book that I read from today, Managing Media, Creating Character. It is available at Amazon. And if you are listening on iTunes or Google or whatever your favorite podcast platform is, um, please subscribe so you do not miss any episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a parent brave enough to set a new standard. Now, until next time, go and be brave.